this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want to hear more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus show to members only on the website. So if you want more of The Confessionals on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the join button and become a member today. And we do offer emergency preparedness food. So if you want, go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And there you can get yourself emergency supplies, emergency food that will last up to 25 years on the shelf for that emergency that you never know is going to happen until it happens. Now, this week we have Evan Kale coming on the show. Evan Kale reached out to me. He is a TikTok influencer with over 200,000 followers on TikTok, and he started sharing some of his ghost stories from a house that he grew up in as a kid, and they went viral. People absolutely loved his stories, and some of the people watching those stories suggested that he comes on this show to share with our audience, and here he is today to share He brought the stories today. He brought an EVP that one of our show artists was going to make the show art for. But when he got to the EVP section, he couldn't go any further. He has his own paranormal experiences going on in his life right now. And he felt like this was going to stir it up. Very interesting conversation I have with Evan Kale. And he is the guy who operates the YouTube channel Pawn Man. Evan Kale the Pawn Man. And I'm telling you, friends, I checked out his very latest episode on Pawn Man. It is really an addicting show where when you start hitting play on one of his videos, you're going to find yourself just going down the rabbit hole watching tons of them because it's very binge worthy. So without any further delay, let's get to Evan Kale, the pawn man and his ghost stories in the house that he grew up in right now. 
All right. Today we got Evan Kale, the pawn man. How you doing, sir? Hey, hey, thanks for having me, Tony. Dude, I'm glad you're here, man. So uh, I want to tell people right off the bat, you're a TikTok influencer. You got a YouTube channel that's blowing up. Uh, it's called The Pawn Man. And we're going to get into letting you share a little bit about what you do and stuff. But the reason why you reached out to me is because you on TikTok decided to share some of your paranormal experiences in a house you grew up in. And uh, people loved it. And people were yeah. telling you that, you know, I, that maybe you should come on the confessionals and you reached out to me and I was like, yeah, let's do this. And, uh, we just got to ch chatting here a little bit and stuff. Turns out you're doing YouTube stuff. You're, I'm you're, a, I'm a busy guy. Listen, you're, you and me were made from the same cloth. Okay. So like, uh, I, I totally get the vibe that you're dishing because, uh, I, I do a lot of stuff because I just can't sit still. I get ideas and I got to run with it. And it sounds like you're the same kind of guy. So tell us about your TikTok. Tell us about your YouTube channel, Pawn Man. Go for it, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been trying to succeed on social media for a long time and kind of wasn't really going anywhere. I, I first got on YouTube in probably 2015. But then I downloaded TikTok uh, late in 2019, and I downloaded it just to start telling jokes. And it got really popular really quick. Turns out my dark humor clicks with a lot of people. <laughs> um, but then this summer, I work in the gold and silver business. I was um, hired by an older gentleman to take over his store. It ended up not working out. Um, I'm now branching off, kind of doing my own thing. But this past summer, working at his store, I started bringing my camera along to work Um and I ended up making a YouTube video about my job. And people liked it so much, I turned it into this reality show called Pawn Man, where the camera's on me, I'm the host, I'm educating people about how the business works, about the stuff coming into the store, about the economics of gold and silver and the like. And it got so successful on YouTube, I made a second TikTok personality or a second TikTok account uh, called Pawn Man, and I started taking orders on it. And it basically revolutionized the business. Like it quickly became bigger than the business itself. Um, so Pawn Man still continuing to grow. Um, my personality on YouTube, everything I've been doing with Pawn Man, it keeps growing. And meanwhile, on YouTube, I'm or on uh, TikTok, I also have my Evan Kale page where I make comedy jokes. Um, I tell stories about my weird life. I share my ghost stories. Um, yeah, everything's going just really, really well for me. That's awesome, man. So. Uh, have you always been the kind of guy that is willing to put himself out there and just do different things? Or was it something you had to kind of grow into? It? Oh, yeah. No, I've always been the black sheep doing my own thing. Um, people either love it or they hate it. I don't have any siblings. I'm an only child. And I think that probably has to do a little bit with kind of how I've just followed the beat of my own drum. And I've always had an entrepreneurial drive. Um, you know, my early 20s, it was about I was trying to succeed in film. I wanted to be a movie producer and a screenwriter. That ended up not working out because I refused to move to Los Angeles and it just uh, wasn't doable for Minnesota. But then I ended up pivoting. I became an Uber driver and I wrote two books about being an Uber driver. And then I wrote another book about Nazi hunters. It's a fiction book. Um, and then kind of the whole TikTok thing started and my life hasn't been the same ever since. Yeah. So, I mean, just so everybody knows, because people who are listening, I uh, know there's a chunk of the audience that listens to my other podcast, Hammerland Legends. We've already talked about it. He's going to come on and share his Uber stories on that show too, uh, if things fall right and stuff. But um, yeah, man, I totally identify with it. Uh, so I was um, I, a little different in the sense that I hit about my mid-20s, uh, mid to early 20s, and I started looking at my life and how it was unfolding. And, you know, let's just say I was 25 years old and I came to this understanding that 
I'm 25 now and 10 years ago I was 15 years old and I started looking at how different of a human being I was in that 10 year span. And right. logic told me that when I hit 35, which I am now, I'm going to be a different kind of person as well in that 10 year span. You evolve as a human being and I didn't want that that change to happen on default like it happens for so many people. And so when I graduated high school, I was accepted into a school called Full Sail University for audio production. And I didn't go because I was 17 years old. I would have had my own apartment in Orlando, Florida. And I was like, I, I got scared. To be honest with you, I just got scared. I was like, I don't think it's a good idea, you know, being far away from home. And so my life took a different turn. And I find myself at 25 years old being a truck driver, feeling like I'm unfulf- I'm not fulfilling my call in life as a human being. I felt like I could be more impactful. And so I started this transition in my life where I started intentionally putting myself in uncomfortable situations for me personally. It sounds like you weren't necessarily like that. But for me, it was uncomfortable to open myself up for ridicule and uh, be somebody that I am on the inside publicly. And here I am 10, uh, yeah, 10 years later, and I'm a totally different person than I was when I was 25 as planned, but I controlled that change in my life. And I became somebody that, you know, I I'm happy with, and I'm hoping that when I hit 45, I'll be even more of an evolved human being in the direction that I want to be in. And so, uh, that that's how I approach life. And it's I, I always like talking to creators and stuff and people who are out there doing this kind of stuff because everybody has their own navigation on how they got to where they're at. But one thing that I find is consistent is everybody who does what we do being in the public sphere online and stuff, we're comfortable being out in the front and talking to people and, and being that guy. Cause you know, you, I know, you know, when you, when you share, share some of the jokes on, on TikTok and stuff, I'm sure you get some comments from people that are like, yeah, you just got to tune that stuff out. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that that's the difference because sometimes people can't tune that out and it, it scares them too much to, to take that necessary step to put themselves out there and say, it's okay. If people ridicule me, I'm going to be myself and hope that people love me. You know, one thing that social media, I think has really done to our culture is just instilled this quality of shamelessness where, you know, 20 years ago, people had better, better filters about the things that they talked about. They had better self-control. They wouldn't say the jokes that they say now. And now thanks to social media, you know, so, like when I first started doing TikTok, I was afraid of that. I was afraid I would tell a joke that was too extreme or I was afraid of people would think of me. And then I started to notice that all the videos that did well were the videos where people said the most like awful, like shameless things. And it, yeah. I just kind of thought, okay, well, I guess I'll just kind of let my tongue fly and see where it takes me. And now I have 200 and something thousand followers as a result of that. I've been such an advocate, thanks to Pond Man of TikTok for business. It truly revolutionized the business that I was at. I saved us from COVID when I worked at the old shop by putting us on eBay and doing innovative things digitally because the owner was an old guy that didn't have any digital sense at all. But then the TikTok thing, it was like, holy crap, why didn't I think of this sooner? Um, I gave a seminar yesterday to a local business about how to do TikTok for business because it is so effective. Uh, I think TikTok is the best social media strategy that any business can use to get new customers, explain their product, and put their message out there. You would say that being you're successful on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, maybe I do make it sound easy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and to go back to what you're saying about life paths, I do think about my own life path quite a lot. And it's just, I've had such a bizarre life that's taken so many weird twists and turns. And despite the fact that I've lived in Minnesota for my entire life, it's been quite a journey, my goodness. And just kind of thinking back to how I got there to where I am now to like, all the success that I have found now over the last like two years, it's just crazy. Because like, 
you know, I've, I've had, I've lived both ends of the spectrum in terms of, of economics and wealth. I've been very rich and I've been dirt poor. My family lost everything in the 08 recession. We were wealthy. And then I experienced what it was like to have nothing and to build everything back up. And now I'm, I'm not going to call myself wealthy, but uh, I'm doing well. And, and I'm just very fortunate for that. And I just kind of can't believe this crazy roller coaster that yeah. I've been on in life. Well, dude, it's all about flexibility, man. People in life that are successful, they're flexible. So they twist and turn. They mm-hmm. bend with. Oh, I always adapt. You know, even when the sky is falling, I always know that I'll figure it out and I know exactly. everything will when, work when, out. When life throws a jab at you, you learn how to bob and weave to it. And, exactly. Uh, and people who learn how to do that. Lemonade from lemons is actually go. one of my favorite how, analogies. How many more cliches can we come up with today? You know, we're trying, <laughs> we're trying to inspire the masses today. Before- Don't get me started on my puns. I love my puns and they're cringeworthy. Hey, man, that's what they're there for, though. That's what puns are there for. So uh, listen, man. Well, I hear you. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop right there. So um, you, you grew up in a, in a very haunted house. Now, is this haunted house the house that you grew up in that you were when you were really wealthy, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay, so now I saw Zillow's got it listed at 1.3 million, and I, like my parents, what did they sell it for? When they they ended up losing the house, like the bank basically took it back. Um, and I want to say the estimate of it then was like 400 grand. So it's, I mean, wow. that was a lot of money. That it, it was a nice house. It was a big house. Yeah. So uh, was it an older house or what? It was built in '57. I want to say it had a bomb shelter because you know built in the height of the Cold War. Um, Nothing inherently ominous about the house at a glance, but staying there, things went bump in the night. And, you know, even guests that would come over, my dad's friends, my mom's, my dad would have friends that would come from out of town and my mom would, and everybody would report weird things. So why don't you go into some of these stories then? And uh, let's start off from like, maybe your early... Why don't I I just tell you from the get-go, kind of the lay of the land, because I kind of have like a way of telling this. Go for Um, it. So we bought the house in 92, or maybe it was 93. I was uh, two or three years old. And the house was empty. It was abandoned. It had not been lived in for years. The man who owned it, he was from Egypt. Apparently, according to the realtor, he never once set foot in the house. He bought, he bought and sold the house without ever going there. So when my parents toured the house, it had nothing in it except for a few weird items of note. It had a giant map of the world in one of the guest bedrooms. It had a giant beehive in the bomb shelter, like like the biggest beehive you've seen. And then it had a family of raccoons living in the chimney. And that was it. Nice. So we bought we bought the house. We moved in. All was well. Um, and my dad is uh, kind of a character. He stays up late. His thing is he would stay up late and watch movies. And staying up late and watching movies, he would notice that basement would get really cold and he would get the sensation that somebody was watching him. He would hear things. He would see what he described as the shadow people, things running at you out of the corner of your eye, a large shape, like a fully formed, like human, you turn your face, you turn your head and you look and there's nothing there. It's gone, but you know, you saw movement out of the corner of your eye. So my dad thought it was just him. He thought it was just him. He thought, Oh, this house just must be kind of weird. Well, we had these mirrors uh, that used to line the basement hallway. And one night when he was on the toilet, very late, my mom was in bed. Obviously, I was in bed because I was a little kid. Uh, He looked up and he saw a bloody face staring at him in the mirror. And he went running upstairs and he woke up my mom. My mom said, Harold, quit smoking pot. Come to bed. Didn't believe him. 
but he know he knew what he saw. He took down the mirrors the next day. And so after that, he kind of started keeping his eye out for weird stuff. And he, he noticed beyond a shadow of a doubt, oh, it wasn't just him. This house is haunted. So uh, this bloody face, did, was there ever a conclusion as to what that could have been? No. Uh, my neighbors all reported paranormal activity, all the houses around us, but my house was the epicenter of it. And then, uh, well, we'll get to this in a bit, but I played with a Ouija board and I made it exponentially worse. So... So you're saying the basically the whole neighborhood experienced paranormal activity? I don't know about the whole neighborhood, but certainly the surrounding houses. So whatever happened, happened on the land, and it was something to do with the land. Is there any way you could maybe just generally let us know general area where this would be? It's in Edina, Minnesota. And in Edina, Minnesota, there is an area known as Indian Hills because the area was once controlled by Indian tribes. Uh, so I would go so far as to assume that it's some kind of an Indian burial ground just based on the ridiculous paranormal activity that would take place. But I'm just speculating. Okay. All right. And so your dad sees these things and stuff at night. And uh, I mean, was there ever a, an opportunity or not an opportunity? That's a really the wrong word. Was there ever a time that he just felt like he was losing it, going crazy? Or was there uh, confirmation periods where other people were experiencing stuff too? Well, once he saw the face, and I, that was probably a year or two after we moved in, he knew, he knew. But our, uh, you know, we would have friends over, my dad would have people come from out of town, stay over, and they would all report weird things happening. And they'd all kind of report the same sort of pattern of activity. They would report being touched in the middle of the night, uh, they would report hearing voices. Again, the ice cold uh, temperature changing was a common thing. Um, you would hear, and this I experienced this once, a voice saying your name right up against your ear as you're sleeping. I once heard, Evan. And it was like, I felt the ice cold breath on my face. And so my, my parents' guests would experience that. Another weird thing that they would experience when they, when they would be sleeping, um, it was as if somebody had a spotlight on them like like your your eyes are closed but like you're staring at the sun you ever do that like you know that sensation it's like you're staring at something bright but your eyes are closed but when you open your eyes it's just darkness wow yeah so uh it seems like that whatever was going on in the house was very common for people to have different experiences uh was this ever something that kind of pushed you into looking into maybe either the history or even just the paranormal at all or was it something that you kind of ran away from you're like ah, i'm not really interested well, so I, so my discovery of the fact that the house was haunted comes later. Um, so we tried to sell the house a few times. My parents did. And every time we would try and sell the house, the activity would ex like, it would spike. It was like, it didn't want us to leave. The basement would flood all the time, especially when we would try and sell it. Every time we stuck a for sale sign in that yard, the day we put the sign up that night, the basement would flood. The sinks would either turn on by themselves, all of them, or the pipes would explode. And plumbers would come over and they would have no explanation as to what happened. Um, so that was kind of, you know, my mom called it the water ghost because that was the most signature activity was the flooding. Um, so anyway, so we, we tried to escape it. And alas, every time we would, the activity would get so intense that we would take the house off the market. And then we just stop. It was like, okay, good. You're here. Everyone's happy. Um, but then we, in 97 and, or 98, this was before I knew the house was haunted. Uh, my dad took me to a movie and my mom called an exorcist. And the exorcist came over and did a little ceremony. And I came home to the smell of, of you know, burnt incense. In, let's say that word right. Incense. And it, 
you know, I was like, what's that smell? Nothing. Don't worry about it, Evan. And the activity stopped for like two years. And then suddenly, randomly, it came back with a vengeance. Yeah. And, you know, I hear of that sometimes when it comes to people's experiences where they'll do something like that and uh, the, the it stops and then randomly it just starts up again. Was it r- very random for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. We don't know what exactly caused it. It was like a two-year dormancy. And the thing with these ghosts is it wasn't every night and it wasn't always at night. Uh, activity would happen during the day sometimes, but it, w- it would go away for a week or a month and then just randomly it would come back. It was the weirdest thing. So where I enter the picture in this, when I'm in sixth grade, um, I started waking up earlier for middle school and it would be, you know, still dark out and we would keep our milk in the downstairs fridge. So I would go down in the morning and get milk for cereal. And in the morning I would notice, God damn, that basement was cold, really cold. And I would sometimes see, you know, we didn't have any mirrors anymore in the basement, um, except for in the bathroom, but we did have lots of picture frames. And I would notice like the light would be obscured in picture frames, like as if somebody would walk by or like I would notice movement in picture frames and I'd look and, you know, I wouldn't see anything, but it happened enough times where, and I'll never forget this. It was a Friday night, you know, I was raised Jewish. So it was a Shabbat dinner. My grandparents came over and after dinner, my, my dad's smoking a cigarette in the garage. And I went out to him and I closed the door and said, Papa, can I talk to you? My dad made me call Papa. Uh, yes, son, what's up? Papa, this is going to sound very weird, but is our house haunted? And he took a deep drag of his cigarette and he looked at me so intensely and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, son, they can never hurt you. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, what? You're not going to lie? So from, yeah. and you know, he shouldn't have told me that because uh, from there on out, I was morbid. I was terrified and I was fascinated and I wanted to prove it to my friends. Um, so I started looking for things. I started, you know, keeping my eyes and ears open, uh, on Saturdays and Sunday, not, not Sundays, just Saturdays. My parents, my mom had a salon. She was kind of a local celebrity, a makeup artist. And my dad would help in the salon and he would invest like the family money. That was kind of his quote unquote job. Uh, so he would go help her in the salon on Saturdays and I would be home alone. And during the day, Either I would hear things, people calling my name, like it sounded like my, like the thing is when you would hear your name called, it wasn't in a random voice. It was in the voice of one of my parents, but there'd be no one home. Or I'd hear the front door loudly open up and I'd hear high heel boots walking around upstairs. And, oh, my mom's home. I'll go upstairs. There's no one there. I would notice the dogs. We always had big dogs. They would never, ever go downstairs for any reason whatsoever. If you picked them up and brought them downstairs, they would go running back up. And there'd be times where I'd be sitting with my dogs. We always had pairs of dogs. So you know, I would just have two, two of them. And, and both of them would be watching something. Both of them looking right at something over my shoulder. And turn around. There's nothing there. Look back at the dogs. Their heads have adjusted. And they're clearly watching something that I can't see. That kind of thing. They get scared of stuff that you couldn't see. It's pretty freaky. Um, but then, fast forward, I was in seventh grade. I mean, it was in eighth, seventh or eighth grade, one of the two. Uh, I decided that I wanted to pr- really prove this to my friends. So I got an old Ouija board and I had my friends over one night and we, we lit a bunch of candles. I printed out a bunch of silly spells that I found on the internet and we decided to have a quote unquote ghost party. There were about eight of us. Um, so we sat down at like 10 PM 
we lit some candles, we set up the silly spells, and we started playing with this Ouija board, and nothing happens at first. But then around 11, the candles really start to flicker, and the temperature drops, and the Ouija board starts working. And it claims to be a family friend of ours that had just died of cancer. And the guy that I thought I knew was not who the Ouija board was telling me uh, this guy was. The Ouija board's telling me that this guy lived this secret life of gambling and drugs and debt and like, you know, just not the guy that I thought I knew. Um, and then the Ouija board claimed to be somebody else. And like, it, it, it worked really well, the Ouija board. And then from there on out, the activity, the rest of the night, it got so scary. My friends and I went upstairs. It sounded like there was a full on party, like in the distance. You could hear clanking glasses and laughter. That sounded it was like about 100 feet away. Um, and then when the sinks turned on, we went, we decided to go back upstairs. And then my basement flooded the next day. But from there on out, this was in the summer, or this was in the spring of 2002. And this kicked off what my family called the summer from hell. Whatever I did with that Ouija board, I invited something into the house that I shouldn't have. And the activity got violent. And there is a marked difference pre Ouija board and post Ouija board with the activity in that house. This is when it started throwing furniture. Um, the, like I said, the activity, it would just get way more intense. My mom got pushed down the stairs. My mom's, my mom was on the bed one night. We were, my dad and I went for a walk. It was like maybe like seven or 8 PM in the summer. And we came back and my mom screams, Harold, get in here. And, you know, I go trying to see what's, what's going on. And, and my mom's like, no, 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 keep that by now. Don't let him see this. And the bed had just jerked forward. This big bed, this big king size bed just shot forward with my mom on it and then it collapsed. And then it would collapse. It collapsed like numerous times that summer. Uh, again, the basement kept flooding. Um, just the, the furniture, like I said, being thrown, moved. And the weirdest thing, the craziest thing, the thing that, that I think is just, uh, it keeps me up at night thinking about it. The stealing, it would steal objects. You would have something. You would put it down, you would turn around, you would turn back, and it's gone. Poof. Maybe you get it back a week later, it would just reappear somewhere. Like you'd be in the kitchen and you'd turn around, like it's something you were just looking at. And the object that got stolen is sitting right there. Maybe it's a month later, maybe it's a year later, maybe you never get it back at all. Some stuff I never got back. And the question that that I want to know, where did it go? What happened? What would have happened if there would have been a hidden camera in the room? But I have seen an object levitate and like shoot out of the room what i have seen an object just simply vanish into i don't know i don't know but i'll tell you this much i don't know what happened to it it it, it wasn't just me it was right there and then it's just gone and it would take things that weren't small not like large large objects but uh something as large as a cup could vanish you know when you were saying that that's something that i often think about when i hear people say similar things is where do these things go uh, and and you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, like, is this something that is, you know, whatever is doing this seems to be interdimensional in a sense where like, that's my thought. That that's what I think too. I mean, like when people when people say that, like your dad. I mean, he said he saw the the shadow figures almost like charging him, and then he turns his head and looks, and it's not there. Like it seems like they have the ability to be visual in this dimension, but also not be. Uh, and so because we know we're dealing with something along those lines, do these things have the ability to take an object and pull it out of this dimension 
into another. Do you know world. how much energy that would require? Which beckons, how powerful is it? <laughs> if that's what happens, you know that. And again, like I said, it keeps me up thinking about it because it wasn't just me. You know, an object like I, I'm not so pig-headed that I'll just put something down and, and like, oh, I forgot where I put it. Yeah, and how many times can that happen? You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it would steal things that were, you know, like it would steal keys sometimes, things that you needed. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I just, I, I often wanted the same things. I mean, are we going to see something where it would just levitate across the room and it's like, oh, I wish I would have thought to look there. But <laughs> I mean, it, it's just one of those things where. Uh, I, I find it fascinating because, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of CERN, uh, but CERN is a, a particle accelerator that is underground between Switzerland and, and uh, France. It's 17 miles in diameter. And okay. uh, they, they, they collide. Is that, that's not, is that the hydron particle collider? Yes, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. And, and so there's a lot of rumors that that circulate around CERN. And, you know, you, you, you have people who claim to have worked in CERN coming online and saying things. But there are rumors of them uh, having the ability to open up into other realms. And when I first started hearing that, I wasn't exactly sure what to make of it until there's a, a, a very famous uh, physicist, Michu Kaku. Uh, mm -hmm. he, I love him. Yeah. So he, he thinks he can build a lightsaber. Well, he probably could. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he, he, he has said publicly that we do in science dabble in parallel un universes. And so when, when he started talking about these kind of things, on a scientific side, not even on a spiritual side, like, like I like I'm a Christian. And so like, there's a whole spiritual side that, that I believe happens, but on a scientific side, now we have a scientist saying that scientifically we dabble in parallel universes that for me opened up a whole perspective of possibilities. And so when we're talking about your story of things where it's objects that are just disappearing, I literally wonder if they're disappearing into parallel universes. Right. Well, conservation of energy, uh, matter cannot be created or destroyed. And if it's destroying the matter, again, how powerful is this thing? Mm. Who knows? Yeah. What's, so, what's your, okay. And what's so, your gut, you know, you're talking, what's your, what's your gut feel like? I mean, when you think about what that was, go, what was going on there, what, what in your gut, what do you think was happening? <laughs> See, I don't know because I am an empiricist, right? I science is important to me. I don't just take anything at a face value. I want to see numbers and evidence behind stuff. And with this, it it the activity became demonic after after uh, the Ouija board incident. And like I said, you know, I'm not terribly religious. I don't necessarily, you know, I was raised Jewish. I don't necessarily have very strong theistic ties. But the quote unquote demonic behavior knocks in series of three was something that I would hear a lot, a lot. And they say that's a mockery of the Holy Trinity. Right. Um, you know, like the, well, we'll get to the EVP that was recorded, something like that. Um, okay. So uh, it's hard to keep all this in, in a, a linear kind of a story when it just jumps around like this. I guess I'll fast forward a little bit. So the activity. Uh, would come and go, touch and go. And when it would get violent, it would get so violent. Um, so my parents, fast forward years later, we're losing all of our money. I'm not going to get into that. And my parents have to like leave the house because the bank is going to take it. So they're moving out. And the house is empty for about the last like nine months that my parents owned it because they basically had to retreat to a property because they could just couldn't live there anymore. Um, 
So the house is empty. Well, the realtor selling the house says one day she comes in and she finds that there's muddy footprints all over the basement. It looks like they belong to a child. And there's nobody in this house, right? I would go to this house sometimes uh, after because I, I had a key to it after I got off from work because I worked in, I worked at a, a Macy's department store in my local hometown. So after I would get off, I would go and hang out at the house sometimes or smoke pot, sometimes, you know, deviant things. Um, and one day I'm over there with my friend and we hear somebody plainly walking around upstairs. And I just looked at my friend and go, do you believe me now? <laughs> uh, but we... We, uh, or I, um, like I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, I was attempting to get into film. I wanted to be a movie producer and a screenwriter. And my very first project that I worked on was going to be a low budget horror movie that was going to be based on my house. And so for bonus footage, cause I wanted to have some bonus stuff and like some marketing stuff, um, maybe to help with, you know, once we finished the film to kind of get it out there. We tracked down some ghost hunters and we had some ghost hunters come to the house. But before they came to the house, we are, I again bought a very old Ouija board, the oldest one I could find on Craigslist because I wanted to get the best content possible. And I had a friend over and I had the quote unquote movie producer over the other guy who was helping me on it, who was just a bozo. It's neither here nor there. Uh, and we messed with this Ouija board from the 60s. And then we sat in the, in the dark basement and we listened. And we decided to, you know, we heard some weird noises. We were going to go walk around the basement individually and see if we could find anything. And my friend claimed that he heard something that sounded like nails dragging down a wall. He came back. I went back out into the hall. I went back into my old bedroom and there was this weird smell. And I opened up a drawer. Uh, we had this weird bunk bed that had all these like drawers. Um, it was like a very like 60s kind of theme or like 50s theme. It was like original from when the house was built. Well, I'm opening up these drawers trying to find the source of the smell. And I find in one of the drawers, my dad had left some documents. And the documents were soaked with cold piss that was fresh. It was like it had marked its territory. And I picked up one of the documents, you know, it was like stained yellow and I smelled it. It was like dripping. And I realized what it was and what that meant. And I just dropped it. And I backed out of the room so slowly. And I went back and I was like, you guys, we need to leave right now. Like, why? Like, it's, We need to leave right now. Don't ask any more questions. So we left. And then the ghost hunters came the next week. And I didn't tell them any of this. And they recorded that EVP um, that I shared with you. And I mean, like I said, the behavior is demonic. Demonic to the T in terms of the definitions that I've read about. But again, I'm not a theistic person. So what? What? I don't know. I just don't know. So yeah, I mean, let's get to this EVP. And uh, I, I wouldn't mind actually circling back to... to uh, actually, before we get to the EVP, because I don't want to forget. Um, so you said this a couple of times, demonic, and that you're not a theistic person. Where? And I'm curious. I'm legitimately curious because I am a theistic person. I often wonder where does that leave you with your perspectives. I mean, if you're if you believe that this was demonic, but you're not generally a theistic person, uh, where where does that leave you? I mean, does it leave you um, with a more like maybe open mindset to another the other side of things, or is it more of uh, a toss up where you just don't know? I mean, look, I believe in multiple dimensions. I do. I do think that that's actually a plausible premise. Um, I believe in alien life. I think that that's a plausible premise given the size of the universe. 
whatever's going on here, it's the science of death uh, to some extent anyway. Um, and that's about as far as I can speculate because I haven't done any scientific research on this and I'd love to see some done, but unfortunately this is a field that is so baked full of pseudoscience and craziness that like, yeah. you know, I was hesitant to even share this on TikTok because I sound crazy when I talk about this. <laughs> and obviously you understand, I'm talking about this with conviction. You asked me the story. I'll tell you the same, the same story without any, any adjustment to the story. Um, but th- this is a real thing. This is something that I experienced beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And you know, there, there's a lot of that when it comes to sharing your story, people, they're very hesitant in the sense because they're like, I, I don't want to sound crazy. And yeah, no, that, it's the same thing with alien abduction. People who share their stories sure. of alien abduction. For sure. And and that was a big motivation for me when I started this show is that I just wanted people to understand that if anybody in the world, I'm going to sit here and we're going to talk and I'm going to listen to your story and I'm not going to say you're crazy and things like that. And I, over time, shoot, I just got an email today saying that how much the person appreciated hearing that, you know? All right, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor this week, which is Simply Safe. Now, Simply Safe sent over some instructions as far as what they want me to talk about, which is usual when it comes to the idea of sponsorships. But I tend to veer off track a lot of times when it comes to talking about Simply Safe because I actually have a lot of experience with it and it excites me. And today I was actually reading through the descriptions here. And one of the things they said in here was that it's easy to set up and you can do it during a Netflix binge or watching the game. And I was actually reading that thinking, well, I would never do something like that because when I'm watching something, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to just be listening to something I'm supposed to be watching. Uh, But you can do it while you listen to this episode. In fact, by the time you listen to a confessionals episode, you should have your whole house done. It literally only takes 30 minutes, 45 max. For me, it was an hour because yes, I am slow. But if you want to make sure your family feels safe, Simply Safe is the way to go. And also, we are a paranormal show. So, how many of you actually think your house is haunted? Raise your hand. I bet about 40% of you at least raised your hand. Well, guess what? Get some Simply Safe cameras in your house and let Simply Safe do the investigative work for you instead of trying to catch it on your cell phone or something like that or an audio recorder. Just get the cameras in your home. You're feeling safe and you're being an investigator at the same time, proving to the whole world that there's a whole other side of reality that nobody seems to believe you on. There is a very useful, unique way to use Simply Safe. I'm telling you, friends, it's absolutely easy to set up. It's sensors. You stick them on the wall wherever you need them, stuff on your windows, cameras, everything. It gets done literally within 30 to 45 minutes, unless you live in a super duper mansion. Maybe it takes an hour, like it did me in my little home. Anyways, listen, if you want Simply Safe, just go to simplysafe.com slash confessionals today to customize your system and get a free security camera. There's that security camera, friends. I told you. Get that free security camera and be a ghost hunter, a ghost buster today. You'll also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals. Now let's get back to Evan and get into this EVP that my artist felt so hesitant about that he didn't even want to touch the show art for this week and I had to pass it on. Let's get to Evan and this EVP. I want to play this EVP for people because this EVP, if if I 
if you didn't tell me that this was picked up the way it was picked up, uh, I would assume that this was actually somebody toying with me because I've, I, this is such a clear EVP. And so what people are about to hear is uh, what was picked up by the ghost hunters of that house, right? Yes. They were going up the stairs. They did not hear it. Only later when they were looking over their equipment and their findings did they find this. Okay. So here's the EVP right now. Now that was one play. I'm going to play it one more time so people can hear it. So that was the EVP that they picked up. And uh, when I heard that, when you sent it to me and I was listening to it, I, I was I was like, wait a second, was that voice the EVP? And you said yes. Um, what are your thoughts on what could be possibly said here? Because at the end of it, it almost says like mine, but there was like something. Else I don't know. On. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's either speaking in a language that is very, very, very old that very few people can speak. Maybe somebody listening knows what it is. Uh, the ghost hunters, uh, they had some kind of a language expert look at it and this person was not able to identify it. It sounds like it's saying mine, but I just don't know. Um, I'll tell you this much though. The ghost hunters, I guess there's some kind of a prayer you're supposed to say when you leave a site like this. And they forgot to say it for whatever reason. Whatever was in that house followed them home and it messed with all of them. A crucifix got ripped off a wall. One of the guy's wives, uh, she was sitting in her bed and she said something grabbed her in the middle of the night by the neck. Another one had a son that said he saw an old man staring at him uh, in the middle of the night. So this whole team disbanded. This was the last house they ever did after this. And they didn't really find anything in the house. But it was only afterward that things got uh, not, not so good for them. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And uh, that that actually is interesting too, because um, it, it almost it, it really kind of lends to um, maybe more authenticity. I would say to the the EVP itself, uh, them catching this EVP, and then what happening afterwards. It's like if they were in the business of trying to prank people or trying to make a name for themselves, they, they wouldn't be disbanding. They'd continue the project. But after this investigation at your house and then the attacks on their own personal beings at their own homes, they disband. That's like, ah. <laughs> I mean, I believe, not only do I believe that it's authentic, I believe that I am in possession of one of the best EVPs ever recorded. But again, unfortunately, like I said, this, this, uh, uh, field of study is so cooked full of crap that, you know, it's even when you have something that's actually really convincing and scary, it's hard to convey it. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like this paranormal field, I mean, there, there's people on YouTube that, uh, they have YouTube channels where they do ghost hunting, they go into haunted places, but it's all staged. It's yeah. all staged. And, uh, uh, you know, not all of them are like that. I mean, there, there's there's uh, there's this one guy. He runs a, sh a channel called uh, Paranormal Files. Colin, uh, his is one hundred percent authentic. Uh, I've talked to him several times, and uh, 
I, I got a lot of respect for him. But then there's other people that, you know, you, you when you start watching, what's funny is that when they first start doing it, they're, when they first start their YouTube channel, they make some of the fakes and stuff. And those are the ones that kind of catch on until they, they don't really get the fact that they got to switch up their tactics after a while. And how many times can you see the same entity in these buildings and stuff doing things that like, it's like the best footage in the world everywhere you go. It's just like, all right, guys, come on now. Come on now. So, yeah. I mean, mo- most of my friends uh, experienced things that were quite scary. One of my friends got his hair pulled. Uh, like I said, one of my, like all my friends have, have heard things that were just downright eerie. Um, there were lots of explainable, unexplainable incidents that seemed kind of innocuous, but then, you know, later on going back, looking at them again, it's like, oh, creepy. Like it would unplug stuff. Um, so let me ask you, when you were doing the uh, the film work and you decided to bring in the, the Ouija board the second time around, the old one, um, were there hesitations on your end? No. Oh, I knew it was a bad idea. I just was kind of desperate for, you know, I wanted to get the best thing possible. <laughs> and I guess I kind of did. Did you not hear that? Shit. But I got you. I got yeah. you. No, I knew it was a bad idea. And, and you want to hear something else? I am kind of unlucky. Like impossible things happen to me all the time. And I wonder if something rubbed off on me. And I'm just like, I've got some kind of a curse on me or something. Uh, so I'm assuming impossible as in like, you know, not good. Let me put it this way. I've been attacked by owls three times in my adult life. Okay. That's odd. That's, that's that is very odd. Yeah. That's and that's, odd. you know, just tip of the iceberg. It's like being my friend standing next to me is actually a hazard because like, Watch out, part of a building might break off and fall and kill us both. What are the odds of that? Yeah, so in other words, I, I probably don't want to meet up with you anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> this might be as close as you want to get. That's fine. 1,500 miles away. away. Yeah, we're, we're good. We are good. Um, yeah, and, and you mentioned about the owls and stuff. That right there clicked in my head just because of the occultic tie of the owl. That's interesting, too, because of what happens in your life. And then in your adult life, you get attacked by owls three times. It's just... I got... I, I got dive. I was walking at night and this giant owl uh, dive bombed me from behind. And I felt its claws rake into the back of my, it knocked me down. And I felt the lift of like its claws in the back of my skull. Thank God it didn't scratch me. Cause I can only imagine how dirty those claws are. Um, but no, it, just, it like knocked me down. It was like, God damn it. Not again. Jeez. Jeez. That's funny. Uh, well, dude, listen. For you. Yeah, I mean, it is funny for me. I like hearing it. But hey, you're you're a comedian, <laughs> so I mean, you're good at delivering stories in a funny manner. Yeah. Um, well, like we talked about, uh, lemons to lemonade. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned earlier about your mom being pushed down the stairs. Was it like a violent push where she suffered injuries? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she. I mean, she didn't break anything, but she. Yeah, she got straight up to shove down the stairs. It was like an invisible hand just pushed her. And that was after the Ouija board. It threw it threw a table at her too. Uh, the doorway wasn't wide enough for the table to go through. This was like at the very end of the ownership uh, when my parents were like actively moving out and like whatever was in the house knew that that uh, we were moving out. It straight up threw a table at her. I was home visiting from college and I just heard this crazy loud crash. I went running upstairs. I had a friend over with me from college. Like, what's wrong? And... And my mom is just standing there petrified and she's like, she just pointed at the table. She goes, that table just shot right at me. That's interesting. You know, it brings a a, a thought to my head. Do you know what the circumstances were of the house when your parents bought it? Was it vacant when they bought? Yeah. Like I said, the the previous owner uh, was some Egyptian guy who I guess never set foot in the house. Yeah. According to the realtor that my parents bought it from. And do you, does anybody know where he bought it from? No idea. 
Um, I'll tell you this much. The next people who bought the house put a quarter million dollars into renovating it and sold it at a loss less than 18 months later. Jeez. Jeez. So do you think that this entity then was gets possessive of anybody that lives in the house? Do you think that's kind of what what's going on there? I honestly don't know. Um, I do think that whatever, whatever we started with when we moved in, like I said, with the Ouija board, I made it worse. I brought something into that house that wasn't there when I started. Um, and whatever I brought in was not good. Cause like, you know, like, like I said, the knocks in, in series of threes, the activity, it just got so much more violent, like distinctly violent, not harmless, not creepy. You know, it was creepy at first, but then it just became terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess you conclude then that the ultimately there was two entities in that house. The one you started. There was, with. oh, there was probably a lot. Um, and I say that because I distinctly heard when I had my little ghost hunt with my friends when I was in like eighth grade or seventh grade, uh, it, it sounded like a party, like a full on party with clanking glasses and laughter and numerous voices. So whatever was there, it wasn't alone. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of entities there, I suspect. Wow. So I, I wonder, I wonder if you doing the Ouija board Maybe like maybe that entity was already already there, but you just kind of woke it up as in like, exacerbated it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Like, uh, I'll tell you some creepy stories. Um, some of the creepiest incidents that I have to report about this house. Um, so it would after the Ouija board, it would send cryptic messages. It would arrange things in ways that were just like there was some kind of meaning behind it. But, you know, hell, if I knew what it was, my dad, I came home from a movie. Um, and my dad goes, Oh boy, son, are you ready for this? I got a creepy one for you. My mom was out of town. He said, uh, I went upstairs to smoke a cigarette and I came back downstairs while you're away. And all of the pillows from the couch downstairs were on the floor and they were arranged in some kind of a weird pyramid. And it was like, there was a very specific order to the way the pillows were arranged, like form like some weird pyramid. He's like, I didn't go back downstairs. I've been waiting for you to come home because it, it freaked me out. Uh, when my parents were moving out, my mom's a character. It's, it's where I get my uh, flamboyant, we'll call myself flamboyant, my flamboyant personality from. And so she, she, she'll she buy like weird gag items like at estate sales and stuff like that. So when my parents were moving out of the house, uh, she had this rubber pig mask from like the 50s that she bought at like an estate sales, like a weird gag item. The mask itself was as terrifying as it sounds, but the mask was uh, loose from a box sitting at the bottom of the stairs and my parents were hauling stuff out. And my mom glanced down the stairs and she said the mask laying flat on the ground had a pair of eyeballs in it that were looking up at my mom. Yeah. She said she dropped the box that she had and screamed and ran out of the house. Um, the craziest thing that was ever sighted in the house, my dad saw it. And I, uh, this is pretty extreme. I believe him because he described something perfectly without knowing what he was describing. Have you ever heard of an elemental? Yeah. Uh, it is a being that has never been human. Um, it is extremely powerful, according to you know, things that I've read on the internet, which sounds very credible. It's only affiliated with the most intensely paranormal places on the planet. And they are incredibly rare to see. There's, there have not been many sightings of them. Well, again, when my parents were moving out, my mom was up in the attic. Um, we had, it was a one, it was a two story house, a main floor and a basement. 
And then we had an attic and the attic encompassed the entire top floor. So it was like pretty long. So my mom's in the far bounds of the attic digging stuff out. And my dad's standing in the garage again, smoking a cigarette because he's a chain smoker. And he hears something rustling around in the attic and he looks up and in the attic kind of doorway, there's some boxes. He's, he thinks it's my mom. He says, Carol, nothing. He looks up, Carol. And he heard some more rustling. And he says he sees a cat. There's a cat peeking over the box at him. And the cat's head, the head becomes more revealed as, as the neck stretches. And he said, it's got the head of a cat, but it's got a human smile and these giant, giant eyes. And there's no fur around the mouth. It's like, like human skin. And the smile grows and grows and the eyes get wider and wider. And the head keeps stretching with the neck and the neck keeps stretching, keeps stretching, keeps stretching. And the look, it just, its eyes keep getting wider. And my dad is just staring at this thing. He doesn't know what the hell he's looking at. And then he hears a noise right behind him and he turns around and he turns back and it was gone. Uh, so he did, he described it to me later. And, you know, I kind of, I did some research and, and he perfectly described an elemental. That's terrifying. And my dad's a boomer, like a super duper boomer who has no idea how to use technology. There's no way that he could go, like, go online and like, look, look this up and like make this like elaborate uh, ruse to freak me out. I, I believe my dad. Yeah. I mean, no, given, given the history of the house you guys are living in, it's not even like a question at this point, you know, I, I, I would be like, of course, of course that happens. The absolute scariest thing though, that I experienced, I came back from college. This is the last night I ever stayed in this house. I would come back sometimes and, you know, sleep a night in my old bed and, you know, see my parents and whatnot. I went to the university of Minnesota. So it wasn't exactly a far drive going back to Edina, only about 10 miles. So I have a test in the morning. Um, and I go to bed, like, not like early, but like, you know, I, had, I have to go to sleep. So I get in bed and my dad is asleep and my mom's in the garage working on some project and I start hearing some kind of a weird noise. Something starts dicking with the blinds. And sometimes if you talked to the ghosts, they would respond to you. They would listen to you. They would leave you alone. So I said out loud, stop it. I'm trying to sleep. And it just, it does one more like pull on the blinds and it stops. And there's about a three second lull and I close my eyes and then Boom! Beneath me, it's like Hercules punched the ceiling beneath my bed. My my freaking bed moved like it shot up with the energy, and my eyes shot open. And it was about a one second of me processing. Oh, did that just happen? Holy crap! That I I it just pounded the floor beneath me. It was like that felt like a semi truck hit the floor. If that had hit my skin, if that had hit my body. That would have crushed flesh and bone. And, and, you know, all these thoughts are whirling around in my head and in the span of about three seconds and realizing what had just happened. I was halfway down the hall running out. You know, I had my keys in my hand and I ran out and my mom's in the garage. I look back. My dad's sound asleep. It wasn't my dad. It wasn't my mom. She's in the garage. And I open the garage and go, mom, I got to go. Love you. Bye. And I got in my car and I left. And I never stayed in that house again. I never slept there, I should say. Jeez. That... That would be enough for me to run out of there too, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so I was pretty hesitant about going back there after that. I mean, I would go back sometimes um, with great hesitancy, but yeah, it, it, that house was just crazy. It, it sounds like it. And did that experience, that last experience you had, did that come before or after your dad's experience with that cat monster looking? Elephant? Around the same time, 
time, maybe a little bit before, but like within a couple of weeks of it. Um, and my friend, some of my friends had reported pounding on the floors and I had never heard it or felt it. And you know, if that's what they experienced, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, if that's what they experienced, you understand now. And it's like, no wonder why I don't have any friends that come over to my house and hang out. With yeah, me. I yeah. thought I was just a region. But, <laughs> but what's weird though, is uh, my friends would report it when it'd be a bunch of us, uh, you know, teenage boys sleeping in, in a bedroom and just given how loud and violent it was, you know, I didn't hear anything when my friends reported it, um, which makes me wonder if it was singular to their experience or like if it was powerful enough to only affect two people in a room making a, like a blatant noise. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it, it does make sense. It does make sense. And, and I, I, I like the way you think, man because I mean, it's, it's i'm a trip i'm fun to hang out with <laughs> uh famous last words if i as i go out to hang out with you <laughs> but um like i said a, a bit of a hazard yeah i i i yeah I'll, I'll make sure i wear uh like a what is it called the the um uniform. oh you're gonna you're gonna need a safety vest and hard hat at yeah, the very least i'm thinking about wearing like a goalie uniform you know like a, the hockey goalies you know just kind of really deck out there just yeah, like, maybe a hazmat especially these days <laughs> yeah seriously uh listen evan it's been good talking to you i enjoyed hearing these stories before we wrap this up i want you to shout out your uh tiktok and your youtube again so people know where to find you absolutely yeah so i'm the pawn man uh you can find my youtube show it's just called well, i'm not the i'm the pawn man but the show is just called pawn man it's better than pawn stars i guarantee it. it's the best <laughs> reality show on youtube you've never seen um so check me out on youtube pawn man i'm also on tiktok uh pawn.man where i sell bullion coins collectibles um i run a very successful tiktok business I'm also the best deal on the internet for bullion. I've also written several books. You can find my books on Amazon. Uh, my gosh, what else am I up to? I'm opening up my own store on April 1st, uh, St. Louis Park Gold and Silver. So I will have a brick and mortar store. And I have another announcement coming in a few months, but I absolutely can't talk about it now. Just know that it'll probably make national news. So yes. follow me and follow me on social media at Evan Kale and at Pond.man. And uh, come join my journey with me because uh, things are just getting started with me. They certainly are. And uh, I, I know what you're talking about, brother. So uh, yeah, it, you're just getting started and I encourage you to keep going. Uh, and you mentioned about the two books. What are they called again? So people can check them out. Um, yeah, I've written three books. So I have my book series about being an Uber driver. I was a full-time Uber driver for four years. I kept a diary. I turned it into a book series. It's called Ubered, U-B-E-R-E-D. Um, you can get those on Amazon in paperback or PDF. And I also have a novel called Wolf in the Jungle, which is about Jewish American Nazi hunters that find out Hitler is still alive in the 1950s. Wow. So they go after him. And it's um, it's going to be a book series. I actually have the second one. It's done. I'm still working on it. I'm hoping to put it out this year, which is based on how busy my calendar has gotten all of a sudden. Um, it might be it might be going on the back burner for a while. We'll see. Yeah, well, it's okay to put things on the back burner, you know? So, uh, man, listen, I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I know people are going to love hearing about your stories and stuff. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. It's been a pleasure. 
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just go ahead and share it if you enjoyed it. And I'd like to make a correction. During this episode, I said Michukaku, but the person I was thinking of was Ernest Moniz. That is who I was talking about when we were saying about dabbling in the parallel universes. In fact, you can check out his audio talking about such things on the Chelsea Handler show. In fact, I'll play for you right now. I have a curious question for you. I don't know if you ever saw Stranger Things. Have you guys paid attention to this phenomenon? So on the show, on the show, they have a Department of Energy, and they spend a lot of time investigating a parallel universe. What can you tell us about that? I can tell you, first of all, that I've never seen it. But, but I'm aware uh, of it. Secondly, I, I believe this... Uh, fictional DOE laboratory uh, was operating in the 1980s. You can draw whatever inference you wish from that. Uh, <laughs> third, I will note that actually we do work in parallel universes. <laughs> Wait, well, what? Well, <laughs> do you really? Is that, is that yes. a... Sh- uh, it, uh, Okay. It, it, All right, so this took a little bit of a turn. Yeah, yeah. This is what you call a cliffhanger. It turns out, uh, uh, actually, the first question was about responsibilities, and I focused on energy, but we also have nuclear security responsibilities like the Iran agreement. Mm. We are also a big supporter of very basic science, and that includes trying to understand the basic particles of nature and the structure of the universe. It turns out, theoretical physics addressing that looks at things like higher dimensions than three dimensions. So Stranger parallel Things universes. fiction for us, but autobiography for so, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, uh, but I would not get carried away in terms of some of the other things that happen, I believe, uh, yes, in Stranger Yes, seriously. Places. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go home and drop some acid. <laughs> there you go. So that was... Ernest Moniz on the Chelsea Handler show and he said it and I wanted to play for you guys. I find it very interesting. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye.
Stars expire.